Hello, morning everybody. Thanks very much for coming. Um, quite a small group, so I hope we can make it a little bit interactive actually. But um, the topic that we're talking about is globalization. So we're looking at um, the global opportunity for CBD. Um, <clears throat> I'll let the panelists introduce themselves in one minute, but I'll just introduce myself. So I'm, uh, I'm the managing director of a, a company called CBD Intel. We're an online data service providing B2B data for the CBD sector. And um, we provide two sets of data, really market data and regulatory tracking. So um, probably we'll talk about both of those issues today. Um, and just to give you an idea, so we, we also um, are, uh, we have a sister publication called ESIC Intelligence. We're very well known in the vaping space. So there's some learnings from the vaping space that I think are very relevant for the globalization of CBD um, and, and some of those things potentially we can talk about today. Um, we provide our data, by the way, in the ESIC space, we provide it to the FDA. So we're, we're quite well known for data in vaping and we hope to do the same for CBD at some point. So um, I'll pass it straight over to the panelists and perhaps they can um, introduce themselves because I'll probably get it wrong otherwise. So Rod, can I start with you to, to introduce yourself? Sure, absolutely. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Wow, that was a little bit loud. I apologize. <laughs> um, I'm used to speaking loud. So uh, my name is Rod Kite. I'm an attorney. Uh, I, am in, I represent companies in the cannabis space throughout the United States and I have a few um, clients actually in, outside of the United States as well. Um, most of my clients are in the hemp and CBD industry. I represent clients across the, the board from farming collectives all the way to um, brands that, that you all know and, and love, hopefully. And, um, and I'm really excited about to be here today because I, I certainly believe that um, um, right now, but but as the 2018 Farm Bill presumably gets enacted soon, we're going to see a, a large-scale connection uh, across the globe with um, with CBD and hemp products. So I'm um, happy to, to address any questions and issues as we go along. Thank you. Thanks, Rod. Yeah, um, Chris. Hi, thank you for coming. My name is Chris Cowart. I am the founder of Blue Moon Hemp uh, Company and also our sister company, Swiss Relief. Um, We've been around for almost four years um, and have a, a pretty substantial footprint in the U.S. And about two years into that, we said, uh, made a conscious decision to try to globalize our footprint. Uh, even though we were young, uh, I, I kind of knew where it was going, had, had a pretty good indicator that uh, from our initial successes that that could be replicated in other countries and uh, regions around the world. So we just took the leap and, and went in there and we're in 17 countries, um, uh, primarily Europe and South America and pushing into Asia now. Um, and we're seeing a lot of the same reactions in those locales that we've seen here. And people are catching up much faster. So um, interested to talk about it and glad to be here. Hi, thanks for having me. My name is Rogan Doyle. I represent the hemp company from Dublin, be Ireland's number one CBD and hemp retailer since 1999. All things cannabis and hemp related are found there. It will be the go-to place in the country for all things cannabis and hemp related. Everything is sold besides the cannabis flower, which is illegal, obviously, but very happy to be here and meet all the amazing people and discuss CBD in Ireland. Thank you. Thank you. 
Hi, my name is Michael Patterson. I'm the CEO of U.S. Cannabis Pharmaceutical Research and Development. Um, we currently work with clients in Europe, uh, Africa, as well as Latin America to either develop their programs, uh, work on compliance background. Uh, my background has been in healthcare. I've been a, a licensed nursing home administrator and occupational therapist for over 25 years. I've run nursing homes, pharmacies, laboratories. And so what we're finding is we're trying to work on these infrastructure issues in order for the international as well as the, the, the national market here in the United States to be able to survive and implement very quickly um, because as we all know payments are an issue uh, going across borders with product is an issue and we really need to fix these issues so the market can grow very very quickly. Great thanks very much guys. Um, look I'd like to split our conversation today into kind of a, a number of areas I'd like to start maybe talking about the international opportunity the market um, and 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 what you guys are seeing in terms of the uh, the, the growth of CBD <clears throat> um, I think then we'll talk about regulation international regulation and US regulation how that you know how that conflicts and, and, and may help each other uh, and then we'll talk about some other issues and you know things and if, if anyone in the audience have got questions you know as I said small group it would be great to, to have some interactivity um, but look Chris maybe I can get you to start um, in terms of uh, international expansion and, and your view of how um, the markets internationally are growing and your experience obviously moving out of the US market into a into a global sphere what what you've come across sure thank you so one of the things that we found and, and we're kind of using the template of what we learned uh, domestically here in the United States uh, and said okay let's let's take that experience and see how that translates into these other locales and here in the US we we our marketing strategies are educationally based four years ago you asked somebody have you tried CBD they said what is CBD now you ask them have you tried CBD I've heard of that CBD what does it do exactly and and how does it work so explaining the endocannabinoid system and all of those things are are common in any strategy whether it's here or you know Europe and Latin America etc so explaining that is, is a big portion of what we do and then the second part is um, the bifurcation of the market for people who are looking to address specific conditions versus a general wellness product and how does that relate into the targeting of uh, how you're going to distribute uh, your brands so what we found we started in Europe and they are I would say two to three years behind us currently from from where we were uh, five years ago so maybe they're where we were three years ago but the velocity and the rate of acceleration with which it's catching up in Europe is astoundingly fast and um, I, I completely believe they'll, they may even surpass us quickly with some of the research and stuff that's going on um, and, and they're doing a fantastic job um, it's interesting kind of country to country uh, the northern uh, uh, countries are a little bit more conservative and then the southern countries are a little more liberal um, but we're finding widespread acceptance in uh, a lot, a lot of inquiries. Um, and just as we saw here, the efficacy of the product is what drives that. So I think that with the digital platforms that exist today, the ability to spread that message in multiple languages is easier. Um, um, South America is, is interesting. 
in a different way. Uh, there's a little probably greater income disparity there. And what we've seen is that even in some of the uh, you know, lower socioeconomic uh, families, they're still buying it because it represents kind of a, a good alternative to some of the other uh, traditional medicines that are out there, if, you, if, if that's the right thing. Um, one of the biggest challenges we face is the regulatory environment and the dynamic uh, landscape that exists. So shameless plug here for Tim, the CB Intel is the go-to um, source for intelligence and these things. And I, I don't know how much your staff is now, 20 or 30 that are looking at it, but these markets outside the U.S. are just, it's changing here rapidly and it's, it's doing the exact same thing there. So trying to keep track of, you know, 68 countries and what their CBD laws are, it's, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a, a pretty exhaustive uh, field of research. Um, but we're finding that the people are, are, are receptive to it around the world and I think that's kind of a, you know, I, I said uh, about six months ago or whenever it was, they had the big article on Coca-Cola was going to invest in CBD in Canada or something of that nature. I said the world woke up to CBD and, and we've seen that explosion happen and I think with the implementation of the Farming Act you're going to see, um, you know, the U.S. has always kind of been the leader in terms of economic driver. Uh, of, of hemp uh, to date, but um, there are vast tracts of acreage in Eastern Europe that have been there for a lot longer than American farmers have been doing. Uh, it's just the convertibility of it, uh, industrial uses of hemp beyond CBD. Uh, I read a study where CBD only represents 2% of the value of the product of the hemp plants. So uh, the opportunities are boundless and uh, as are the, uh, the regions around the world. Great, Chris. Yeah, thanks. So, um, Rogan, I'm going to come to you in, in one minute, but just one further question for you, Chris. Um, we've done some work, we've done some surveys on various um, countries of, of CBD users and, and what kind of products they use. We're seeing the, the product mix, um, you know, the, the differences between um, oils and topicals and vape and so on being very similar to the US. Are you seeing that um, in terms of the mix of, of demand? Is it pretty similar across the world? Yeah, it, it, it is. And, and what what we've kind of seen mirrored, especially in Europe um, and, and to a large extent South America as well, is that the vape market seems to kind of be the penetrator, the tip of the spear, so to speak, uh, in bringing the product to market. Um, we're seeing now domestically so many other uh, mainstream places that have it, uh, uh, everything from independent vitamin shops to um, the smoothie bars, right? I was in Austin or somewhere in Texas. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, uh, went and got a green smoothie in the morning and they said you want a CBD floater five dollars there was the sign I said well, really? that's great where did you get it? how many milligrams and they were like we don't know it's just five dollars I said yeah I'll take it <laughs> so um, uh, the, but the vape people and, and we do a lot of shows like this that are uh, vape shows around the world uh, because the Blue Moon brand is so so well entrenched here and, and kind of recognizes one of the, the premium brands. And, and when we go there, they, they've heard of us or they followed us on social media or whatever, so there's kind of that connect. And they all want, or I don't say all, but a large portion want domestically grown U.S. sourced CBD. Um, so that's a big kind of deal. There's, there's uh, uh, immense fields, like I said, but... It, 
they trust the U.S. for whatever reasons. You know, the, the hemp plant is a very lecherous plant and pulls from the soil. So stuff that's from India or from China uh, has a reputation and probably deservedly so being substandard. Um, and you have to be very careful with the COAs and, and the lab tests that come with it and, and verify that product. I'm not saying that it's all bad, but there is some contamination issues. Um, we're looking at one of the first distribution deals into China. Um, it's illegal there, as it is here, kind of technically. Uh, but the government there has finally decided that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll test it. So we're excited about that, but they, they want U.S. sourcing and they want U.S. verification and lab tests and et cetera, et cetera. So, so but the product mix, uh, yeah, I mean, in our, in our vape stores here, only 40% of our product mix is vape. 40% is uh, tinctures and 20% is edibles and others. And we're, we're kind of seeing that mirrored over there as well. Yeah, great. Yeah, please, yeah. J just, you, you talked about the, the desire for um, uh, U.S. CBD and hemp products. And I, I'm beginning to see that as well. As early as, you know, as recently as this morning, I was working on a, a sale of, of CBD, of a large, to, to a, a company in Switzerland. You know, Switzerland has a lot of access, um, both in Western and Eastern Europe. But, but you know, the desire is for the, the American um, grown. And I think that has to do with the regulations and the COAs. And I think we're going to see an expansion of that. Great. Um, Rogan, can you give us your view um, of obviously the market in Ireland and how that's developed, and, yeah. and but maybe some comparisons with um, over here in your experiences of the U.S. market and the differences? Yeah, well, this is my first time in the U.S. So I don't have that much experience of the cannabis industry here. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's you're the leaders of it. It's the place to be to learn. But um, in Ireland, in Ireland. Um, CBD has technically been legal since 1997 under the Novel Food Act from EU, but it's only been available really in a retail for the past four years. Since then, it's absolutely exploded. There's been, I don't know a single shop in Ireland that really advertises their CBD range that they have. They just sell it and then their family and friends buy it because it works for them. It's licensed as a food supplement in Ireland, so like yourselves over here, there's very limiting claims that you can make about CBD. The fact that it's a neuroprotectant and anti-inflammatory, that's all we really can say to the people that come into our shop to buy it. Everything else, we just encourage our customers to go and do their research themselves and find the anecdotal information that's available because people aren't lying about it. There's 20,000 scientific papers suggesting the use of cannabis in medicine. They're not lying either, but it's changing big time because we are quite a conservative country, but the cannabis industry is helping normalize it in in society I say CBD especially like there's people that are buying CBD for their six-month-old baby and then there's 91 year old women coming in to help it with their arthritis like it's arthritis is probably arthritis and anxiety be two of the main reasons why people would purchase CBD from Ireland which says a lot like we've um we have our own island our own ecosystem and very li limited sunlight so arthritis is a common issue amongst our generation so it makes sense as to why it's purchased so frequently the market is exploding big time. There's not a lot of innovation done in Ireland at the moment, but that is changing. Legislation kind of conflicts sometimes. It's, there's a bit of issue with regards to extraction sometimes about lack of research done in Ireland and within the EU, but hoping to use the research facilities and the information that we gather over here and bring it back over to, the EU, to Ireland and help, again, normalize cannabis in our country because THC, completely illegal in the EU at 0.2%, Ireland is in the EU, so there's that wiggle room. It basically comes from Germany, it's 0.02, that's where it comes from. Um, 
Uh, no, zero point two. Sorry, that's where that's the understanding because the Germany came out with this um, limit, and then the EU kind of went with that. That's your that's your that's your limit to work off, and that's kind of the goal we've been kind of going from as well. It's it is changing. People are they're smoking it. They're applying it to their skin. They are taking it orally. But I've never seen an industry explode so fast in the past. I'm only in the industry a year now, and in the past four years, CBD has just exploded. It's hard to question. Where are the origins of your products? How so many are EU? How many are US? How many are in our store, we would we'd be the biggest supplier of CBD in Ireland. We have the I think about twelve different brands. Most of them are in EU, but we would stock like Charlotte's Web and Palmetto Harmony and Heaven Scent and Flower Child, like US based ones. But like Medihemp comes from Austria. They're an organically certified brand. They are very very effective. Mm -hmm. And then we have our the best selling one in the country, the best value for money CBD oil is the one that we we provide. It's made by our partners, Dutch Natural Healing. So we can buy it at a very cost-effective price and sell it for a much more favourable price than what's on the market because our ethos and my, the my the owner of our business, his ethos is just to, just to help get CBD into Ireland. He just he's not interested in um, dominating the market. He just wants the society to be normalised with it because he's he was the first person to open up a hemp shop in Ireland, and that's in 1999. That was a very 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 bold move because, as I said, Ireland is quite conservative, and you know we have a reputation for alcohol, not cannabis. So. He got a lot of pushback, but he's kept with it, and it's nearly 20 years now, and it's been the most successful it's ever been because CBD has really helped change perception of cannabis in Ireland. It was, it's considered Class A, like above heroin, but now it's changing big time. It really is. It's an exciting time to be in Ireland and in Europe because there's a lot of companies that want to come to Europe, and especially from the US as well. I've got a lot of attention just from my accent. People wants to want to get their stuff into Ireland because it is exploding. It is, it's, I know I've said that a lot now, but it's, 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 yeah, I'm emphasizing exactly it. It's, it's, it's breathtaking and it's amazing to see people like all walks of life coming in to try it. They've never tried cannabis before, but now they're on CBD and the benefits, yeah, we all know the benefits. I don't need to try and sell it to you guys, but it's, it's a lot of it is US, but sorry, back to your question. Um, a lot of EU companies are, or companies in the EU are kind of coming out with their own range of CBD, but there's a lot of choice. And that sometimes is a negative thing for customers. They've got too much to choose from. They just want the best value. That's the way it is now. But there's companies left, right, and center coming in. And the US and Canada is the place for us to learn, really, because I've seen some amazing products here that just do not exist or even know existed until yesterday. So the opportunities are endless. Great. Okay, good. I'd like to move on, and I'm going to come to um, Rod first, and then uh, uh, and then to you, Michael. So let's talk a little bit because um, Rogan, you talked a little bit about regulatory issues in Ireland and and regulatory uncertainty. And I know there's some conflicts there. Um, my my view about CBD internationally is that it's probably the biggest opportunity um, for the cannabis sector in general. Um, Partly because it sits, it sits between the sort of um, uh, narcotics legislation and, and any potential adult use recreational legislation that's going on, uh, and uh, medicine and uh, medicinal and, and pharmaceutical, right? So it, it sits very nicely between that, and and it's the definitely the nearest um, sort of the the, the, the biggest near-term opportunity. Um, but I was I was really interested with your panel yesterday. Um, Rod, in terms of what's going on, and actually, I think the biggest thing that came out of your panel was just what a confusing environment the U.S. Um, regulatory situation is, right? And how how much is conflicted, and and uh, and the difficulties with that. Um, 
The farm bill coming through, what impact do you think that that's going to have on the ability for American companies to export internationally? Um, and, and then a second question is like, what's, you know, what's your view of how the regulatory landscape is developing globally? Okay, so um, thanks. So as far as the, the 2018 farm bill, I'm sure most of the people in the room, if not everyone knows what that is, so I won't go into a lot of detail. It is the new farm bill with new hemp provisions. We haven't seen what those provisions are, but we have an idea uh, of them. And based on what we've seen um, that's likely to be enacted into law, literally within the next week or two possibly, uh, it's going to expand the hemp industry considerably. Uh, right now we're under a pilot program and there is commercial activity that is under the umbrella of that pilot activity, um, but because there's a, just a narrow path, so to speak, as to as to the uh, legal status and, and when and, and how you can um, extract and sell and process and use CBD, um, it has prevented some of the larger players from really, really getting involved, and I mean the, the multinationals. Uh, once the 2018 Farm Bill is enacted, those restrictions will, will um, largely be lifted. Again, we don't know the details, um, but this little narrow path is going to turn into a superhighway. And it's going to, we're, we're, you can currently export industrial hemp and, and CBD from industrial hemp uh, from the United States outside um, to, to other countries, provided that it's, it's lawful in the United States and provided that it's lawful in the, in the country to which it's being exported. And sometimes that gets tricky, which I can address in, in a minute in the second part of the question. Um, but I, the, the Farm Bill also, and I reread it this morning, at least the language that, that, that we have, and I believe that it will also substantially open up the market for imports into the United States. You know, we said earlier that um, you know, the country, the world is looking, you know, for um, hemp grown in the United States, but there are lots of, you know, groups in the United States that are looking for hemp that's grown elsewhere for various reasons, and because of the definition of, of, of hemp under the 2018 Farm Bill, it appears to me that that will open up. Uh, right now, technically speaking, we can only import um, hemp, the, the mature stalk and the non-germinating seeds of hemp that's grown outside the United States, and a lot of CBD is at least purportedly coming from the mature stalk um, and you know we don't know about that but this this I believe will make it explicit that we can import hemp from the flower and CBD from the flower so um, I think that's part one of your question and part two has to do with the regulatory status and patchwork and um, it, the, the world at large is a lot like the United States. It's even within the EU, which is you know, a fairly consistent system, obviously, there are some differences and, um, the, to be teased out. There are a lot of different labeling requirements. There's a lot of, um, you know, we talked, you talked about earlier, uh, Christopher, about the um, looking up CBD laws. What's difficult to find, you know, specific CBD laws, a lot of times there are just laws regarding cannabis generally or hemp generally, and we have to make some, some logical inferences when we're you know thinking about going into a, um, to a country particularly again in the in the EU uh, one of the things that I think on a regulatory standpoint that's really fascinating and um, is what's um, happening in um, say first and second world countries uh, for Africa for instance to just to use a big example of a continent um, by and large attitudes towards marijuana um, and there are different names for it is uh, in a lot of countries is pretty conservative um, but medical marijuana, which is sort of a loosely termed phrase in the English-speaking countries, um, is, is beginning to be widely accepted, and, and CBD having the non-psychoactive effects with the, with the you know, 
lion's share of the medical um, benefits that we see um, is, a, is a great doorway and pathway. And when we're talking about going into um, second and third world countries, there's a real opportunity to start with a clean slate. Um, I recently was in a Caribbean country and we drafted some legislation specific to that country, presented it to um, to the um, head of state along with his with the cabinet um, and said you know th each country needs a little bit of a different format um, don't you don't necessarily need the Canadian format or the United States format um, let's let's carve out something that's going to use cannabis and hemp as as an economic driver and frankly as a social justice driver and and you can do that in some of these countries and and it's much more they're much more amenable to it when when they feel like you're not trying to impose some existing structure onto them to, to just kind of pull out all the goodies, so to speak, from the country. So I personally am very excited about helping to create and partnering with countries um, in, in the second and third world to, 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 to create regulatory schemes um, that, um, that are beneficial for them and will help them enter the world market. Um, so that's exciting, and I think that CBD is really, to use the term earlier, the point of the spear for that. Thanks, Rod. Yeah, just something to add to that, actually, I, I think is worth mentioning fr from outside of the US. <clears throat> and I think it's this, right? It's, it's really worth remembering that there's a huge tailwind behind, uh, behind cannabis and the cannabis industry in the US and, and North America generally, right? We've had Can Canada move um, uh, towards that as well. Uh, you know, it's really worth remembering that international markets are very different, and I think the policy perspective uh, towards cannabis in a lot of international markets, and particularly in Europe, right, but especially in things like, in places like uh, Asia, you know, they're, they're not like that, and, and it's, so therefore CBD is a, is a potential kind of beachhead into these markets where recreational use just won't be, I don't think, so, yeah. One quick thing on Asia, because we're, we're kind of doing some forays into there right now is in, in the Asian culture, um, as I understand it, and I think it's correct, the, the symbol is only for cannabis. There's no distinction between industrial hemp and marijuana. So, so the laws reflect that, and they're very draconian as it relates to narcotics. Yeah. So Thailand, which is infamous for production of you know, cannabis, which is severely illegal, uh, is the first that came out with a program that says there's industrial hemp and then there's cannabis. And they have something called the Royal Project that started uh, in January of this year and has another two years where they've allotted big tobacco the opportunity to uh, start the, the uh, development of the uh, industrial hemp program uh, and extracting it for whatever reasons, industrial or medical. Um, so you're, I think that that's the beginning of the awakening yeah. in that in that asian culture but uh no i agree i came i came back from japan just last week and, and uh, japan is still slow but there's all the opportunity there for a cbd market you know it's an aging population they're really into health and wellness lots of disposable income so you know I, and i think cbd is the way forward that japan will never approve adult use recreational it just won't happen right probably not in my lifetime but but i think cbd might um Michael, I'd like to bring you into the conversation um, uh, on, along sort of regulatory and compliance issues. So I know that um, you've been looking at that a lot internationally. Maybe you could talk a little bit about not just laws, but also compliance in general. What we're seeing a lot is we're pretty lucky here in the U.S. and North America. We have, you know, we're all about laws and rules, and we put a lot of them in. But what we're seeing, and specifically, you mentioned Africa. South Africa is a mess. Okay, I love South Africa. It's a great place. Um, but the problem is they don't have help. 
Okay, the Supreme Court came out and said medical cannabis is legal. Okay, now what? <laughs> so you're having situations, we're getting calls from companies who are either independent lab testers or getting into the, the market, and we ask simple questions of, you know, they call us and say, we need help. Okay, what do you need? We need everything. We don't have systems, we don't have policies and procedures. We have the technology to grow, they're starting to get that, but they don't have a seed to sale program. You know, something so simple that we have here that we expect. They don't have a way to track the product from point A to point B once it goes outside the country. They don't have banking because the banks haven't agreed to do this because they don't know enough about it because nobody's come to talk to them. So we need to help the others who don't have this. We are very lucky here in the U.S. and North America to have this. And our goal is to help bridge that gap, is to help bring in um, financiers from other countries to come to these countries to work with the legislatures, to work with the banks and say, you can take this money. There is a way Way to track it to make sure that the criminal element is not coming into this industry, whether it be cannabis or hemp. Um, one thing we were on a a Skype call with a group in South Africa who's a lab tester. He's pulling out trash bags of weed and trash bags of cannabis and hemp. And um, he said, you know, we can't, it's very difficult to get this across in, uh, um, international lines into Zimbabwe or uh, Lesotho um, because there's not a lot of lab testing that's going on in these countries. In South Africa, there's not many registered labs. And so his problem was when he has unrefined oil and trying to get it across uh, country lines, the, the uh, police don't know what it is. They don't know how to track it. There's no way to move it from point A to point B like we have here. And so that's one of the biggest things is the actual, the, the infrastructure in order to allow commerce to happen. It's something that we are trying to help with that as much as we can to bring awareness. Because if you bring the inflow into banking and you bring the inflow into compliance, then you bring that money flow to be able to help those industries grow. And we all know we need money to help this to, to grow. And then these companies can actually grow because then have access to capital from either North America or Europe to where these companies who are investing in Africa feel comfortable. Great. And, and a follow-up question, um, since we've got leading lights on the panel, guys, in the sector, I mean, where are standards going to come from on a global level, right? Who's going to develop them? Because um, there's clearly an issue. I've heard it said a lot. You know, there's a Wild West market out there. There's, there's, there's no real controls and there's no agreement on standards. So. If, if the U.S. doesn't lead that, who's going to lead? And, and, who, and, and if so, who's going to do it within the U.S.? Well, I think a, a lot of it is, hopefully, one of those groups is going to be us. <laughs> so, just to be honest. So, um, we're actually working on a program now here in Florida to create the world's largest hemp and cannabis research zone. It's going to be a three-county area from Brevard down to St. Lucie County to where uh, I call it the Field of Dreams effect. If you build it, they will come. This industry is growing so quickly, we need an area where everybody can come together and start working on this. And, and you mentioned before, 2% of the hemp industries is CBD. We see a mammoth industry dealing with converting from petroleum products into hemp products, bringing in the ConocoPhillips, bringing in the shale gas. Let's bring them all in. We got to have an area. We modeled our, our model after Research Triangle Park in North Carolina and Silicon Valley. We studied how they started. We're ready to do this. We're ready as the hemp bill passes. Um, Nikki Freed is, uh, is, is really likes this idea about moving it forward. We're probably a year or two out because as the legislature here in Florida starts in March, we can't get a bill in yet, but we have to wait for the, the bill to pass. But what I see is companies 
starting to step up. I know um, there's a company called Integrated Compliance Solutions. They're a, a, a business that helps banks take cannabis cash as well as CBD money globally. And they are very interested in going into these new areas to, because if we can make the bankers feel comfortable, then I think we can kind of work from there and go backwards. Great. Yeah, thanks. Right, we're running out of time, guys. Any questions from the audience? Is there anyone with a, with a burning question? Yeah. Can I give you the mic so you can just ask it for everyone? My name is Connie McLaughlin-Miley. I'm a doctor of pharmacy, and I formulate, and I work directly with patients. And I would say, when you're going into those third world countries and second world countries and setting up a regulatory structure from a therapeutic perspective, please, please, break through that 0.3% or that 0.2% ceiling. Because we, uh, you know, I, 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 it's probably not a popular position, but therapeutically you need a touch more THC to really do the job. Well, well, to that point, I think that, and what I was mentioning earlier, when you when you, when you go into the second and third world countries, uh, there's this opportunity to to start from scratch, and not really. I mean, you know, the the, the Canadian and the U.S. and the EU standards are kind of finding their way in there, um, but the, but it gives an opportunity to do that, or at least to carve it out in such a way that that, that it's meaningful for for health and, and wellness. And, and to your point, real briefly, Michael, about the uh, you know the deregulation which is happening across the the, the world and in, in a lot of second um, third world countries um, sounds great. Oh yes, you know, for advocates of the plant, but it's horrible, really, because it means um, that everyone loses, really, from the farmer to the to the end user. You know, the end user doesn't have the benefit of of testing and a regulated market. The 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 farmer doesn't know how to get it out there. Um, no one wants to invest capital into extraction systems when they're. I mean, a regulatory system is, is necessary and vital to the to the economy of the country. Agree. Yeah. Um, any other questions? Anything else? So I'm just going to use my last question. Oh, there is one. Oh, here we go. Sorry. Actually, it's two-part, and maybe Chris and Rogan can help me out. Um, Chris, first, um, importing into or uh, exporting to, to other countries. Um, I know every country has their own regulations, but how hard has that been for you so far? Uh, I know there's not a standard, but what are, they, what are you usually, or what are they usually requesting in terms of paperwork and, you know, stuff like that? And then, Rogan, what do you usually... Uh, on your end in terms of importing products from the U.S. Um, how hard has that been or what, what are you requesting from that end? So have a good freight forwarder, <laughs> number one. And, and most countries um, are, are pretty, pretty standard uh, to that effect. You have to have a commercial invoice. Uh, you have to have a, a proper description of the product. Then you have to have a certificate of analysis that goes with it. We provide our um, Kentucky handler's license, uh, which says that we're an approved vendor from there as a kind of additional uh, a bullet in the gun. Um, and you know, we, we've, had, we've had product bounce back occasionally and then would get through other times. We've had products seized uh, in UK uh, and disappear into the system and, and just have to eat it, basically. Um, but those those are, are kind of far in the rearview mirror now. We've we've kind of figured out the the lanes that work. Um, countries that you can't go to, just you can't go to right now. Um, so use CBD Intel is <laughs> is a great uh, resource for that. With regards importation from the U.S., there isn't really much of an issue as long as the, the labeling is correct. So let's just say if it was 
a CBD tincture. If there was a lab report with it, not an issue. So what we would do if we were like to work with a new brand from the US, we would reach out to the HBRA, which is the Health Product Regulatory Authority in Ireland. So we just notify them of a new product that's going to be coming through their border quite soon. Once they approve, they liaise with customs officers, then it comes through. The only time that we've ever had an issue was actually a vape product from the UK. It, they looked at it and it looked very concentrated and considered it illegal and then they tested it and then gave it to us. That was the only time there was an issue. There is a bit of wiggle room at the moment with regards CBD um, tinctures and vapes from the US. I think there is a bit of a grey area and they're allowing a 0.3% limit, but that do not quote me on that. All right, I, I've, it's just there's, there's been bottles that have come through our borders and, it's, it's, and it does say 0.3%, but because it comes from the US, they allow it. I don't really know why, but... Um, there isn't really much of an issue as long as as long as the right people are notified and there's a lab report just to, to prove that what we are selling is within our legal right then there's no problem so just to follow up on rogan's point the labeling is kind of critical um our our blue moon brand has the hemp leaf on it so our product in europe does not uh as a, as a point of sale thing it's kind of like uh marketing to the children here um and secondly uh, we've moved uh, most of our manufacturing now into FDA pharma-grade labs, and in Europe we're doing EU GMP um, to, to make sure. So we're actually taking our, our CBD uh, raw ingredient here, shipping it over, and then having that formulated in an improved lab there. And that kind of makes the whole thing a lot easier, uh, getting it from country to country within the EU. We've got to wrap it up. Last, last one-liner from each of you. We're getting to the end of uh, 2018. What do you see for the global CBD markets in 2019? So, so I'm with you, Rod. I, I, I'm not going to steal Rogan's words, so I'm trying to a simile to that. It's going to um, massive growth, maybe. <laughs> global phenomenon. I believe I used the word exploding at one point, and that's, I'm going to reiterate that it's literally going to explode in, our, in EU next year. I can see it happening. Big pharma, big tobacco. They're coming. Okay, you saw Austria. It's all coming. So they play a role. Okay, they play a role in R&D. Uh, the smaller uh, people can play a role, smaller businesses too, but um, they're not going to be the demons that the, you think they are. I think they're going to help us move forward, um, but I see them coming. One last thing is there's there's rapid and massive consolidation going on within uh, the industry now. Yep. Mergers, acquisitions, they're happening at a breathtaking uh, pace. Uh, Canada has a lot of monopoly money that they're throwing in here right now. And um, it, it's a little bit uh, heady stuff. I mean, we have people throwing massive sums of dollars at us and it's kind of hard to say no sometimes, but I think it, it, it's not the it's not the worst thing to do right now. <laughs> Great guys, thanks very much. That's uh, <laughs> giving a round of applause.